0: welcome to in conversation with brad Wenders. i've got another fantastic guest for you today the man should need no introduction this is carlos from emmerdale and for those uninitiated in the soaps uh, this is gary turner who's a fantastic actor he's got some great stories to tell he's a really interesting man so let's get on with it um gary welcome hello hello, hello. please be here um i'd like to know a little bit more about um, your past and your background and, and what kind of got you into um, where you've ended up? Because I, I, I know a little bit about your more recent life, but, but yeah. where did it start?
1: Well, it was a cold and frosty morning, morning 14th of March, 1968. And I said, no, um, it's a good question because I think all actors have a reason why they chose, you know, that they went that. And it's, you know, I kind of... I didn't come from a, a very theatrical background, although my mom was a frustrated performer. My dad was, a, to a certain extent, too. But, the, you know, my mom and dad, they had me late. I mean, I'm 55 now. I was born in 68. My mom was 35 and my, my dad was 45 when he had me. So they were kind of a generation behind all the other, uh, the other parents. So they were kind of... You didn't do that kind of thing. You didn't actually... Become an actor. Where do I start? I was a I was an only child, although I did have a half I've got a half brother and half sister. Uh but they were much older. And mum and dad had, had uh marriages before me. So I was kind of and they'd made a bit of money by the time I came along. So I was the only kid in spoil. I was born with a club foot, uh, so I had a lot of operations on my foot to to correct that. So as a result of that I wasn't very active. And I was... Quite, this is leading somewhere, don't worry. Uh, I was big. I was a large child. I was a fat, I was the fat kid at school. So um, I was an only child. I was fat. I had a club foot. And I was a bit of a dickhead. I was bullet. My dad, who was always self-employed, they had a business and it was the, you know, it was the late 70s, early 80s, and they were making a bit of money. So they decided to send me to a private primary school. Um, which, you know you kind of aspired to, to that from the background that my mum and dad came from, but I didn't really fit in because of the school that they chose to send me. I was I was at school with, like, lords and ladies' kids, and they, you know, if you wanted to sing, you became a member of the Chester Cathedral Choir, uh, which I did, actually. Um, but the choir master ended up throwing a set of keys, and they hit me in the head, and I had to go to A&E, and it was all kind of, it was, yeah. But it being then, of course, it was just forgotten. <laughs> but that's that's another story. You know, it wasn't great. And then my mum took me to the hospital. I, I went on this diet. So as I'm about 11 now, I'm 10, 11 now, coming out of primary school. And the the, the dietitian at the hospital, this two years, so I could lose, lose weight as I grow up. It kind of adds insult to injury, really. So mum and dad didn't send me to private secondary school, but they tried to pick... A nice, the best school that they could find, which a, a, a lovely school, which was on the other side of town. I knew nobody there. I was a fat kid. I had a club foot. I was on a diet. And I was a bit of a dickhead. And I was out of the catchment area for the school, so I didn't know anyone. So you can imagine how those first years went. Yeah. That yeah. was, you know, that was baptism by just getting beat up behind the sports halls and getting called names and getting picked last and, yeah, you know, all the... I don't, don't want to go... To, it wasn't that tragic. <laughs> it says, you know, it's a, it's the story I'm telling, it wasn't that tragic. But the reason I lay that background is, is, then I went to drama club and all of a sudden nobody cared whether I had a club for or whether I was overweight or whatever and we were all kind of it was like where the misfits went the the drama teacher there Lynn Thompson who I kept in touch with looked after us. and then over those few years I did lose the weight I started to get confident and I liked acting I liked being a drama club and there were girls there so, just stepping back, was the drama club part of the school? Yes, so the school drama, so drama club. Uh, I, I Moving mean, school was the catalyst of kind of finding well, it this. Was, it was graduating from. There was no drama club at the primary school. There was like show days where you, she'd get people to stand up and say poems and stuff like that, but nothing, you know, not a lot, not an after-school club. Um, and then there was the school plays, and then I got involved with the local, um, the county council used to run residential courses and we went off i went off on one of those and by the age of about 13 i was like oh i want to be an actor and then i joined the local youth theater and then i, I just did absolutely that was it then i just did any acting joined everything and anything i could be part of so i would uh, i joined the, the the local theater then in chester where i'm from uh, was called the Gateway Theatre, so I joined the Young Gateway, and you know I made friends there at twelve years old. That my P is still my best friend. You know, it's sort of kind of life solidifying stuff. And then, but that was when I first came into contact with real actors, because you know we were the kids that were hanging around the theatre, and that's we were always you know Saturdays we'd hang around at the theatre. We'd we'd go, we'd go to the youth theatre and do whatever we did, but then we'd spend the day making a nuisance of ourselves running around, and you know, and if there was a production on, we'd always be angling to see how we could get... In. It was just, that was our life. That's, the, you know, that's what we wanted to do, you know, getting to see the plays or, you know, and then as we became 15, 16, um, we got to know everybody and the guy that ran the youth theatre was also on the staff uh, at the at the theatre, and so we started to get pulled in doing the get-ins, the get-outs, so we got a knowledge of, you know... and because it was the 80s there were no restrictions or legislations about so 15 16 year old you'd be working two three o'clock in the morning you get tired you go and sleep in the flower tower get up and then carry on with doing building the set and helping but you had access to something
0: you loved and and oh it was heaven it was heaven what i'm getting from that is um is kind of running theme when i talk to people about their passions and where they've kind of found a career in something they love Mm. is that feeling of belonging and that identity absolutely so you were yeah the, it
1: was, the fat kid and now you're I, the theatre kid <laughs> I'd, I'd i i had gone I, yeah i found my place i'd found my tribe yeah absolutely yeah 100 yes. Yeah, and it, it was a lovely it, it was a lovely moment actually it was before drama score or any of that because i desperately wanted to be accepted see that i think you know that's been kind of a governing you know not to get too sort of deep about it all but you know standing up on stage and being good and then getting applause is a great sense of validation, etc. You know, yeah. I mean, we all want some kind of validation, but um, I wanted to be accepted and it was really hard those first few years at school. And I, I remember, you know, and there was there was times that I'd get invited to a party and because I lived on the other side of town, I'd cycle all the way over and they'd be waiting and I'd turn up and they'd shut the door in my face and I'd be like, oh, okay, this isn't great. Wow. Anyway, there was one... One year, um, uh, I'm not saying that they were so bad. I probably <laughs> was. You know, <laughs> I think I was a bit of a me and B, me, 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 me person. There was one time I had gone off and I'd made all the other friends. I'd become the theatre kid, and I had my friends in the Cheshire Youth Theatre and my friends in the Gateway Youth Theatre, and um, so I didn't need these guys at school anymore. And because, and as a consequence of that they started to phone me up and go, oh, does Gary want to come to a party? All of a sudden, you know, I developed in my own sense, a new sense of fashion. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't one of them anymore. And all of a sudden that was kind of, and I kind of went from that guy with the target on his head to by the time, and I couldn't wait to get out of school. Yeah, you know, school was not my cup of tea at all. So I left in the fifth year just after doing what we called O-levels then, GCSEs. Uh, but I was the only kind of fifth year that was going out with a sixth former. <laughs> it was kind of like, uh, you know...
0: Something else I've seen both in my own social circles and kind of in, in talking to people is that when you're desperately trying to be accepted and be liked, it makes you quite unacceptable and... Uh, it makes you unattractive. And it's, yeah. it's not until you stop trying, you find yourself. Yeah. For, it, just, it sounds
1: a bit pretentious. N- yeah. Well, you don't you don't find yourself. You just stop worrying about yourself. Yeah, you and find you your nation, you find and, you know, a thing. The people, it seems to me, the people who are the most attractive, who seem to be most individual, complete individuals, are those that are interested in the world around them. They are connected to the world around them. It's sort of like you meet somebody who's connected to themselves or they've spent time working on themselves and he's always a bit missing. I always feel a bit like, mm, yeah, but somebody's going, oh, this, this, oh, and I've read this book and I know this and I know that and that's interesting and you're interesting, tell me about that. You know, Then all of a sudden you get these kind of, I've got Stephen Fry in my mind. You know, there is a man who is deeply, deeply troubled. But, you know, but he's such a fully formed character. And he's so intelligent, but he's so interested and connected to the world around him and cares deeply. You know, Ricky Gervais is another one that springs to mind. I think what I loved about acting was the story, was creating the story, was being, living the story. My favourite film is Blade Runner. I have watched it a hundred times. I've read the books. I've got some memorabilia. I'm a kind of a bit of a geek about it, but I just wanted to be that guy in the coat on the rain-swept streets. You know, it wasn't about winning the Oscar... That came later, wanting that kind of stuff. But it was never about that. It was it about... to be Decker. I wanted to be Decker. I wanted to be Anne Solo. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be in The Princess Bride. I wanted to sort... I wanted to do all that great stuff. And I had some great films growing up. Like I mean... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I, we, I grew up in the 80s, so... yeah. We, we, we watched uh, Return of the Jedi on VHS over and over and over again in my uncle's house.
1: So yeah. that was... Do you know Highlander, right? I adore Highlander. Do you know they're remaking it? With Henry Cavill. I, I, so that'd be good. Cavill's a good fighter. Yeah, yeah, He's a great actor. Yeah.
0: He cares about the sorts and of... And he,
1: he'll, be, he'll be... And also, he'll be involved. He, he won't do it if it's shit. No, so, we're looking uh, at yeah. that. What, what nice happened. one, Henry. The, the first season of The Witcher, yeah. I, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing.
0: I was like, yeah. Oh. It's, it's kind of petering off a little bit. Yeah. Um, But I, I watched the first Highlander film uh, recently, again, and... It hadn't aged as well as I'd have hoped. No, I watched it. I think I watched it not longer, a couple of months ago. The, the, yeah. the car park fight scene where there's the back flips down there. I'm like, oh, I yeah. don't do that anymore. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a fun film. And place. so on PC as well. You forget yes. how on PC shit was there. Well, you've got yeah. things like uh, a lot of old Disney films now have warnings on, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. About, you know, this contains outdated yeah. themes. I'm like, well, maybe don't draw attention to it. It would be my
1: feeling. I... I um, they have to it's just you know it'll it's pass as world. Pass, yes but you you just you know that stuff has they have to do that don't they yes yeah Where, or you know or do they cut it out or change or get rid of the film and it's no but it's sort of it's like do you get rid of the slave trader statues kind of thing do you again it's a conversation i'm having with lots of people from
0: i think it's because that's what the world's doing at the moment. and i feel like you can't learn from history if you erase it I couldn't agree more. Keep the statues and, and as a lesson. Don't ever burn the books. Don't burn the books. Don't burn the books. No. Um, no. So those things need to exist for us to go. reading we're tweeting history anyway. You yeah. know, oh, it's awful. But those know. things need to exist. So you go, oh, actually, that's that was acceptable then. And we know that it's not now. Yeah. And I'm not sure you need to put a neon sign around it. Because I think there's a lot of things that just living in the world, you're like, oh, yeah, you can't say that now. But yeah. this was
1: made in the 30s. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this kind of it leads me to the next stage. We moved from Chester to North Wales, and I ended up joining joining the Cluid Youth Theatre, which is based in Mold. And we, I, I then you know, it was I didn't want to move from Chester. I didn't, you know, it was it was it was that age. We just done Jesus Christ Superstar, and I'd just left school, and I wanted to go to the Further Education College and be with the cool kids and do theatre studies. And then all of a sudden, mum and dad go, "Now we've got to move to Wales now," which is only about. Forty minutes down the road. Yeah. But then when you're fifteen and you know, that's like oh, my life's over now. That was tricky, but I ended up joining the Cluid Youth Theatre and they had residential courses. So I ended up going that way and that turned out to be leagues above what was going on in Chester. Okay. So I'd done all the gateway stuff and I started to make new friends there and um there was a the teacher there who um was getting kids into drama school. And it was, you know, from this tiny little Welsh county called Clwyd, about eight or nine kids would be going off to different drama schools. Now, I don't know if you knew, but back then, there was they had, there had was a list of, like, accredited drama schools. There are 30 places. I'm talking about, like, RADA, Guildhall, Bristol Old Vic, Central, Lambda, Mountview, all of the, you know, the the, 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 the biggies. Yeah. This guy was getting eight, nine, ten kids in a year into all these drama schools. He ended up being prosecuted for... He liked his boys. Oh. Uh, and talk about the way life being a different thing then. On, like, on my first day of... Um, I remember turning up at the, the, the... A couple of months, you know, the guys who knew the score. And this was the way the world went at the time. They went, watch out for, watch out for so-and-so um you know he's gonna be in your bedroom first thing in the morning to have a look at your morning glory I'm like really and they're like yeah so I locked the door and you know hey presto first thing in the morning the door would be be rattling, and everybody knew we had the nows to navigate that it was the way the world was at the time and it was like oh he's you know fat man we called him fat man but we wanted you know he was teaching us to get into drama school yeah at the time, we didn't know there were other kids that weren't as savvy as us. It's horrendous. It, I mean, I don't mean, it's a whole other conversation for the podcast, but yeah. But, but you're, you're right. And uh, again,
0: it, it happens through the years where someone who's done some really amazing and good things, mm. but has also done some horrendous things, yeah. they don't balance each other out. Yeah. You know, those kids that have gone to drama school as a result of this person, yeah. that might have gone on to do wonderful things. Yeah. Some of them might also
1: have some horrendous memories and have some trauma and crap. To deal I, with. There are I I know people. Yes, there there is a, a guy. He's he came into the youth theatre. I didn't know him that well. He came into that youth theatre as I was leaving uh, that youth theatre, and he is now damaged. He went off to drama school, and he very good actor, good little actor and stuff, but damaged because of you know what went on. Yes, even then the the idea would be was that. Mm. That's just the way it goes. That, you know, shit happens. It wasn't until I had my own children, and if I thought any teacher, no matter what they were doing, because all our parents thought this teacher was amazing. But anyway, I digress. know I, if I thought anything like that, my 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 children were in in that situation, and I would go in there with a chainsaw and a machine gun. And yeah, and it's a, it's a little bit of an aside, but. Um
0: so I, I recently became a father. I've got an 18 month old daughter and I, I love her to pieces and it does change your perspective on things. And I think about, um, you know, just very personal stuff. I have a, a very odd relationship, with my biological father. Mm-hmm. So I went to very, I saw so many similarities with what you were saying. I was born into a family that had a couple of quid, mm-hmm. you know, not mm-hmm. loads of money. Mm-hmm. And I went to private school until mm-hmm. I was five, six years old. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. my parents separated when I was five at Christmas. um, and right. I just, yeah, exactly. I didn't really see anything of my dad. And I went from living in quite a nice house with Porsches and Range Rovers mm. and going to private school to living in a one bedroom flat with mum sleeping on the sofa and her having to work two jobs and me having holes in my shoes. So for mm-hmm. a six year old, that was a real big jump. And I found in the gymnastic club at school when I was around 11 oh, that I didn't see the Solace, sanctuary. Um, yeah. but, but you're right. That's a days um. But just jumping back to like the, the, the reflections of being a parent, I go through in my head like dad wasn't there and we didn't have any money and all of this kind of... And I, I, I had a, I was a very, very, very poor upbringing. Never went on holiday with my with mum my after the age of five years old. It was, it was a real difficult time. And I look back and I'm like, well, you know, dad this and dad that. And as soon as I, I had a child and I'm kind of a year or, or 18 months into childhood, I'm like, there is no way, no way on earth that I would let that little girl have holes in her shoes and not have enough food to eat mm. you know and even now when times are getting a little bit hard mm. she has food she has toys she, she gets
1: to do oh, all i'm things the same to do. with
0: mine mine are 13 and 15 now but I, it's exactly the same we will have beans on toast so that she's had a decent meal yeah and i'm like i now actually as a 40 year old man judge my father more for not being around than when i was a, a child and a teenager going without it's a real strange
1: realisation. I think, I think children are brilliant because whatever is their normality is their reality. Do you know I mean? I just made that up. It's not good, But, you know, but whatever is their world is normal yep. to them. They don't know any better. So, you know, you were like, OK, you know, I've got holes in my shoes and I've got this to do. I like gym club. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of, that's the way kids yep. survive and then when you get out of that and you look back and you're going I, I was dealing with stuff that I had no need to deal with because of somebody else's behavior. and as an adult looking yeah. back I was like how on earth did my mum even cope with that like
0: time working two jobs That's sleep or yeah well it was it, it really does add perspective to it when you're a when you're a parent or when you're a grown up because I'm like you know you're growing up and you're like when are we going to be an adult when are we going to be an adult and I'm like 40 I'm like I'm probably an adult yeah, yeah maybe yeah. yeah
1: maybe yeah good luck with that <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah but then we've we've both had the, the privilege of doing something that we enjoy and, and i'm sure
1: we'll get to it and it's not always plain well, sailing it's not easy that's like my mum. i would i was kind of because i was the prodigal son and it's like you know i remember going home to my dad you know i was talking about when i went to the gate i started meeting real actors who were doing the plays in, in in the you know in the stage and we got to it we would be get by the time i was 17 and stuff i was getting drafted in to play the dead bodies and the spear carriers in the local shakespeare productions and stuff like that so you'd be in productions with the real actors and I remember having a conversation with dad saying I don't realise this but they're like real people they come in and they sit and have a cup of coffee and read the paper and, and talk about the same stuff that, that, that you talk about but my dad was like it's not a real job it's not it's no when are you are you gonna you know you've got to do something else he wasn't strict and he was a lovely man and he cared he wanted me to do well is where he was coming from and he just thought it people don't become actors that's that's something that posh other people do you know and also at this time their business had you know they'd come out of the the the, the, the lovely thatcher years of making lots of money you know coughing up money left right and they'd lost gone bankrupt and lost everything and that's one of the that's why we had to move to wales um so funny enough similarly to you you know went from everything being lovely in a new car every year and to kind of like, uh, we can't afford anything. We're just lucky to have this house that we live in. And, you know, the the bailiff's turning up at the doors and all that kind of stuff. To long story short, I did a deal. He said, you've got to get A-levels. And I said, okay. He said, if you get your A-levels, then you can, you know, you could probably go to university and study something so you can keep acting as a hobby. So I kind of went with that for a while. But in here... I was going to go to drama school, and eventually I did. And I was going to I was going to do a couple of auditions to get to know what it was like, and then I was going to go interrailing. Do you remember what interrailing was? You know what I'm talking about now. No, no. Back in the '80s, <laughs> that's what you did. You took a year off, and you could buy a ticket, yes, and go round Europe. Yeah, one train ticket round Europe, unlimited travel. Brilliant interrailing. Uh, I was going to do that. Uh, I auditioned for Bristol, didn't get in. Auditioned for RADA, got in the the best, the drama school of drink. When I'd got my mum was over the, the moon, and my dad was proud, but he still was like, what are you going to do after you've been to this RADA? <laughs> Literally, he was like, he came to see the show, so he was proud, and, you know, we, we never, it was never like, it wasn't, there was no real animosity, he just didn't get it. And, yeah. I could talk for hours just about the time at drama school when I was coming out of the other side of RADA and I'd got an agent and um Granada TV had started sniffing around because uh they I was auditioning for a show called families a daytime soap opera and they were based in Manchester so it was like one weekend and I thought well My parents lived not far from Manchester. So I went up the night before to stay at my parents' house for the final recall for this um, screen test for the show. And I remember sitting there with my dad. And I said, so uh, it's this family's. And I I said, uh, my mum had recorded one on the VHS. And she said, oh, so it's this programme. said, yes, yes, yeah. And my dad said, so what what happens if you get past this audition? I said, well, I'll get the job. And he went, you're going to be on the telly. I went...
0: Yeah. And what year was this, just for some context? That right? would be 91. So 91, we had four channels on terrestrial TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was far less, like, now... Did we have Channel 5 then? No, I, I don't did, think it did. I not think Channel 5, no. no. I think that was late 90s. So One, two, three, four,
1: yeah.
0: the... And, and I think TV still kind of finished at a particular time.
1: It wasn't 24 hours. I yeah. think it still had, like... you the- I mean, morning TV had started. I mean, I remember that kicking off. Good morning, Britain. So when you're looking at, like... The, your ability to
0: be an actor in the early '90s was far less than it is now because now you can put something on YouTube or you could. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. there's a wealth of streaming services oh, that look for content. Yeah. Whereas now you have got like, yeah, yeah, Sky TV was probably in its infancy if it would launched at all. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so to to be an actor on television was like, oh, you're on TV. There's yeah. there's not many people on TV. But
1: it was funny. But I think maybe there were less actors. But all the actors seemed to be working. <laughs> yeah. and, and but that moment, my dad sort of went, oh. And I remember the turn of his head, and I remember thinking, yes, <laughs> <laughs> you see. And it's like since then, after that, and then obviously after that the audition was successful, and he was like, oh, that's what you do. And he was, you know insanely proud my dad's upbringing you know he was born in 24 so he was you know and they, he wasn't allowed to go to they wouldn't let him go to school so he couldn't read and write And um, so I think when he hit 15 he lied about his age and ran away to the the army went to Tunisia went to Italy Um, got demobbed in Chester and thought oh, I'm not going back to London I don't like it there so stayed in Chester and with his with his um, demobbed cash or whatever got himself in a chip shop and so he was always self-employed so that was you know that was his world that was his it wasn't it it, it wasn't he didn't come from a point of oh my dream is to do this his dream was to survive and to have enough money to look after his family you know that's and that was a massive triumph to him
0: yeah Uh, so just jumping back on the sort of daytime soap opera yeah um you got the part yeah. You've gone into it. Yeah. And and how was that? You know, you've come out of drama school. Was it like, oh, oh, it's just
1: another show or is it wow. Oh, no. No, no. I've got to say this actually just going back a bit. I got my first agent. Her name was Jean Diamond with a company called London London Management. Huge office on Regent Street. There's me, scraggy Gary, just, you know, just coming and leaving rada sitting in the office and she just, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm very interested in representing you and, you know, I well, I've arrived. I said, brilliant. Um, and she said, you know, where do you see your, where do you see your career going? And uh, I was like, oh, well, you know, I just I would like to go to the RSC and the National and do gritty new films. And, you know, I'd, you know one day maybe I'll work with Mike Scorsese or, you know, well, that, that kind of thing. But like one thing I'm sure of is that I don't want to do soap opera. I don't like soap. And she went, OK, that's fine. I think we can imagine that. And I think within three weeks, I'd looked at this contract and gone, how much... <laughs> weirdly i mean this is in 91 families was paying as much money as emmerdale was going to pay back in 2000 i mean there was so much money in the business at that time i uh, you it just kind of you just sneezed and, and money appeared so i'm doing this play the long the short and the tall having a great time we're rehearsing and i get this message saying you've got the part we want you to start on such and such a date And the director goes, and I'm kind of—it's a bit contractual with Ryder as well. When you do your final shows, you're doing shows. You're not—you're not. It's not just like a student thing. It's—it's paying theatre and tickets. And the director goes, "I don't want to lose you, Gary. We—we're doing this play here, and it was also the culmination of three years of training with you know my mates, and we were having a good time doing it. We were playing soldiers, and you know, um." So we went back to Granada and went, well, can we just not start four days later? And they came back and they said, no, but here's what we'll do. I spent my last three days at RADA. I would go into college, do the show, come out of RADA, get on a train, sleep on the train, wake up in Manchester, film in the morning. They would then fly me back to London, um, and then taxi me to Rada. I did that for three or four days. So Weren't well, really worth were throwing money at this thing. Things were a bit different then. People had a, a doing adverts and um, soap operas was not. Not the RSC and not the thing, you know. So there was kind of some bright streams of graffiti about me dead in the phone box at Rata. <laughs> you know, people stick it up. And I remember, I and mean, obviously I was a student. We didn't have to do with student loans then. You know, you got a grant, but you still had no money. So, you know, your student loan was your, your overdraft. I think about three grand overdraft which was a lot of money though. back in '91. and was huge, you know. And I, was like, and I remember sitting in the car. I was being picked up by yes. the advert at the airport uh, with this guy and on day one. I had no money. And I went, is, is there any chance I can get some money? And the next day he picked me up and he said, oh, right, there's some money for you there. That's the only time that we're going to do this. You know, I was like, oh, OK. I'm thinking, phew, brilliant and coffee money. I opened this envelope and there's 300 quid in it. That's all I mean what, ninety-one? Well, how much would that be now? Mm. That would be 600, 700, 800 quid? Easy, yeah, it's like right. just somebody giving you know, there's 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 you know and I've been living like a student. I remember sitting in the dressing room after the final show and it was our last day. It was our last it was our final day as well. And I went, boys. I'll go three hundred quid <laughs> <laughs> so then proceeded to be a God almighty. That's a good party. God almighty party, <laughs> you know, and you know, obviously I was very popular. <laughs> I was buying all the drinks. Um so yeah. And then and and but, th- but that that transition that transition was really weird. It wasn't a, f- a big program. It was a daytime soap, so but it still had a little fan base. So I was starting then I started uh, the adjusting was, 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 was quite weird. I didn't know my ass from my elbow. I wasn't keeping money for tax. I, and, and I thought, oh, this is life now. I, you know, I'm just going to... And, and you would get living expenses. You'd get your fee, which was handsome. And you'd also get per diems. So, like, every week, the trolley would come round with these envelopes in, going, oh, there you go, there's your per diems. And you're like, this is ca- Cash.
0: You know, so for anyone who is not um, au fait with with the uh, sort of performance industry, I think every job should have PM, per diems. Every single oh, job in the world, yes. You just get given. Yeah, uh, that just means it's your per day allowance so that you can buy some lunch, get a coffee, do whatever you need to do, go to the bus or whatever you need to do. Yeah. You just get um, money, money. Yeah, and and
1: yeah, when we're on TV shows and 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 things like, oh, there's your per diems. And- oh, we got that. I was, hey. like, I was on tour in Japan hey. in nineteen. Was in Japan and the per diems were very handsome for that one for that job. Always oh, just got a little bit of money in your pocket. It's great. Yeah, all of, yeah. <clears throat> I arrived. It was a bit frustrating. I didn't want to be soap opera, but in my head, I was then. And, and Goodfellas came out, and I just like I, I watched the shit out of that. I was like, yeah, that's. I want to go to America and I want to be with Martin Scorsese and do you know all that. For my final recall for, for Rada, I was doing a bit of a, a running thing here. I was doing Animal Farm at Theatre Pluid, so i had to get i had to finish animal farm get on a train at two o'clock in the morning travel to london and then be at rada for in the afternoon for my recall obviously i got off a friend of mine had arranged had a friend who lived in london who looked after me and obviously i'd been up at night i was this kind of i was 20 years old and turned up at his flat going hello i have got an audition for rada in about four or five hours Cause, and it's really early in the morning, thanks for having me. And he, he was brilliant, jazz. And he went, go and have a shower, I have something to eat. And I was and going, yeah, I'll watch. Let's watch, let's watch Highlander. Mm-hmm. Put Highlander on the VCR. And I swear that film got me into RADA, because there could be only one. <laughs> there could be only one, and that only one was me. As I was walking down Tottenham Court Road... You know, a, that the Queen soundtrack blasted in mind. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, yeah.
0: But those kind of stories, and those kind of things that, that I don't know everyone does. And I think that brings us back to to the reason that I wanted to get some people on this podcast. Because you've spoken at two occasions where you've had to, like, do a day's work and get on a train or get on a plane or get on, and do kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. like... 20 hour days and things yes, yeah. and there's a lot of people that, that wouldn't do that wouldn't and, in vocabulary, and, right? sometimes yeah. and, and I think saying yes to things and then oh. having to try and work it out is a big one and I remember I was on I was we were doing a promo tour for Samsung okay. uh, these little Samsung released uh, an MP3 player that was going to kill the iPod uh, spoiler it, it didn't like um, yeah. yep. and uh, we were taking these things around universities. So we were in this tour bus, we we're going to universities doing like acrobatics and there were the, the way fr- promo girls doing the, um, the the selling of the product. Sounds like you'd have had an awful time doing that. Oh, it was, it was horrendous. Sorry, just yeah. going around yeah. doing yeah. tricks at university student union bars. Oof. And and I'd got, uh, my agent had got in touch with me and said, oh, could I do this this film? I'm like, yeah, when is it? And they're like, oh, it's shooting quite soon. They just need a load of extra people to do um, some of the featured work because they need some bigger like close-up of the screen. that. Okay. And, uh, and it was Night Shoots e. in central London. E. And it was at the time that the Samsung tour was at, um, I think we were... I'm <laughs> you
1: know,
0: Fortunately, Royal Holloway. And we were at, oh, okay. um, like, uh, what's the University at Uxbridge, um, wherever it is. In um, but we were uh, we, oh, were, in, yeah, yeah, we sorry, were inside yeah. the M25. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I'd done all day of acrobatics, yeah. then gone to set. Where they feed you breakfast after you've gone through hair makeup, yeah. even though it's like nine o'clock at night. Yeah, done a night shoot. Yeah. then rocked up straight back. Yeah. ready for it. I did two days and was like, I can't do yeah. this. Yeah, I, and I had to get someone to cover me or sell the acrobatics because, uh, and I, I just genuinely. Like, so I did like what was it's dangerous as well, forty eight hours of continuous <laughs> <doing> stuff. But <laughs> I definitely couldn't do these days. And and I, well, I think
1: what's you have a rule now? You have to have a twelve hour break
0: yeah oh they're actually it yeah, yeah. like proper employment now like um and you and people it's good because because employers can't take the piss but at the same time sometimes the productions do require a little bit of flexibility but looking at that i'm like i know a lot of people that would go oh, i'd love to do that but i can't i wouldn't do that or can you do that film no and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that i'm just like well how hard can it be we just have to make it happen and um and there was a big big job came in one of one of the the highest paying performance gigs of, of my life you know mm. it, it kind of paid towards the deposit of our house because mm. we did all of the crowd entertainment for the t20 cricket for two seasons okay. so we were at every televised event and we had a team of people there and it was it was good money the guys got good money we got pdms um we had a it's your cr- company but my company is yeah, quite yeah. recent 2015 2016 oh okay got you so much much more recently I know. But when we were pitching for it, um, the, my, my then wife, um, not my wife anymore, uh, had said, I, I don't know we can get this application. I don't know we can fill this paperwork out. And I was like, look look at this contract. She's like, we've just got too much else on at the moment. I don't know that we can get all the stuff back to And I was like, we just have to. I remember I remember exactly where I was and I was on the phone her. I said, we just have to fill out as much as you can. When I finish doing what I'm doing, I'll come and we'll get it done because there's no way we can go, oh, this is too much work. We just have to. And we did. Um, I think 2015 was also the year I got married. Mm. So we had the wedding to plan and the uh, the honeymoon and things, and trying to organise what was the biggest logistical job. It was 30 days over the course of the year with a team at each event and the logistics of getting there and back and all the hotels and all the costumes and everything. It was it was a massive job and two of us organising it. I remember her going, I remember her saying, "We can't do this. We can't do this." And I was like, "We just have to." And we did, and that was so one of the one of the most profitable jobs we've ever done, and it was so much fun. It was a really enjoyable gig, really enjoyable gig. So um, I think there's a, when someone says, can you do X, and you're like, some people are like, no. Yeah. And some
1: people will go, well, yeah, but we'd have to make it happen. I am so, so much behind what you just said, and it's that, until my children appeared. Yes, yes. And that, but that is not, that's a happy compromise. Yeah, that is. I have. I remember an old bumping into an old teacher of mine in a park in London, and him saying to me, "You should be concentrate You, you know, and I was playing with uh, Betsy, who was I don't know, about three or four in the park, um, and he was like, "You don't spend much energy on your career, then? Are you doing this," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. Yeah." And, and even that's a difference
0: of opinion. So that, um. When uh, we found out Tasha's pregnant and Poppy's come along, um, I'm running the business and I was running the business solo at the time and I had someone who was kind of our office manager, admin manager who was working for us. And I said, look, I want to take six weeks off paternity. I want to take two weeks off before the due date so I've got a month off after. We can just kind of find our groove and um, cool. And we'd made arrangements that that was okay. And the the person who was working for me um, didn't seem to be okay with me taking that time and the bottom line is she worked for me so you know yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but she she clearly was a bit judgmental and she's got two kids of her own okay and her husband's self-employed and just through conversations kind of different kind of dad well she'd had she'd been induced in her second pregnancy right because um her husband had a meeting a work meeting that was abroad so she'd been induced and had the baby early to fit in with his work schedule now it seems like you and I are probably on the same page that that wouldn't have... It would have been just, don't do that. Uh, Whereas some people, that's the priority. And I'm not saying what's right and what's wrong, but we clearly, as two human beings, had very different opinions of what the priorities were. But I I promised myself that I was going to take time off and and I didn't manage to. And I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit, but it didn't impact life. I was working on um, Into the Woods with Terry Gilliam. Oh, yes. It was brilliant. The fact that... I, I got a phone that call. That never happened. No, it did in the end. It did, yeah, did it it from It moved from... Um, to Bath, no. Yeah. Uh, yes, we did it in, in Bath. So it we moved from yeah, yeah. to Bath. That's right, <laughs> yes. So I got a, a phone call. Um, hi, is that right? Hi, it's uh, is Terry Gilliam here. I'm like, it, it's... you've well, you got a
1: call from <laughs> Terry Gilliam. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and i okay. Uh, because there's some stuff that needed doing, and I'd been recommended by some people that were in the production because right. there were some physical things that needed doing, and he'd been told that I was someone who was well regarded in those fields great can you come to um can you come and do the rehearsals in london i was like that's my partner's due date i can't i can't i can't agree to do this so i got someone to go into the studio um to do uh to who I, someone i trusted to go in and observe the rehearsals film things give some good advice which they would do um, and just send me the video so that I could at least review it. And then when we go to the theatre, which is Theatre Royal in, in Bath, because
1: mm. it was like, basically it's, it's, the Bristol Old Vic, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and there was yeah. some nonsense. Someone accused him. of yeah, trying to cancel him over something. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, I was adamant that I wasn't going to go back to work until my little girl was was you know we were settled. I was. There, we Tasha had to have, have an emergency C section. Um, it was like touch and go for a little while. It was very very scary time. Um, everything's fine. But while she's being stitched up, I'm there with no shirt on holding my new baby girl, waiting for Tash to come out of theater. And I get a video call from the production company. I'm like, they're in rehearsal. So I'm holding my daughter who is less than an hour old watching videos and giving voice note feedback on this theater production. I was like, this is not what I wanted to do. This isn't. And, um, they were very accommodating because they really wanted me. It was a massive compliment, but they were really accommodating. But I was going, I was driving to Bath in the morning, doing the rehearsal, driving back to Colchester of an evening. And I did that when, when Poppy was two weeks old, when my daughter was two weeks old. And then they said, um, no, no, because I wanted to be there and, and they were great. And they said, look, we we're going to need, as we're teching, it's going to get a bit, a bit more hectic. Uh, what if we pay for your partner and your daughter to come out we'll put you up for a few days again poppy was not i think she was just three weeks old yeah. and we just got in the car went to bath and tash and poppy stayed in the hotel and kind of pram around um around bath while i was in the theater and she went into the theater and the production team were already lovely and it was it that's was a, it was awesome the fact they were, they were so accommodating yeah and I was so annoyed at myself because I was like, I wasn't going to go back to work for a month. I'm like, but actually, dude, that's different.
1: Um, that's different. That's not making your wife get induced because it doesn't fit into your schedule. No. That's you trying to keep everything up in the air. I mean, you know, and why? You know, that's that's great. And she seems to, Tash seemed to understand.
0: Yeah, I oh yeah, she's she's just been doing a two week run of of uh, My Fair Lady. You know, she understands the industry. So. It's funny.
1: It's funny. I um, was on tour eighteen nineteen, and I was in. Let me get this right, Newcastle, um, and it was Betsy's first play. That's right. did the show on the Saturday night, drove down from Newcastle to Colchester. saw Betsy's played Monday, so I'd had a day in between, and then drove back to Edinburgh, and that's no. no because i didn't stay i just watched the play and then drove but i can't i can't remember what it was there was there must have been a, a an extra day off or something during the week but these are the things we do you know that yeah i to say
0: just jumping back a little bit because anyway, yes. yeah you you come out of rada and you've you're inter inter family my family families. families families half australian half
1: northern Okay, and how long were you on that that show for? I did two seasons, so that would be about two years okay. ninety one ninety one and ninety two. That's is, what I
0: did. And when that came to an end, did you have anything else lined up straight away? Or
1: no, you- no. You see, here is the thing: uh, life changed. Um, at, at the beginning, it was all right, and I got offered a few little things when I came out. And but I, you know, I'd left. I'd been to Rada. I'd gone straight into television, done television acting, and I had a little bit of, you know. So people were offering me pantos and things like that. Didn't want to do it. Small, smaller parts in theatre productions. Now I remember being in an audition, and for a play, and a guy saying, "Oh, well, you don't really do theatre, do you?" And like in my head, you know, I'd been acting on stage since I was thirteen. I really saw my ass. I mean, I wasn't too rude, but I was saying. You know, I do a couple of seasons of uh, a TV soap, and now you're telling me that I'm not a theatre actor. Q. Um So I then probably didn't work for a year. I turned a couple of things down, and then I wasn't getting... I didn't get the jobs. I was going up for quite a lot of stuff, and I didn't get the jobs, and it got, I think, I didn't get another proper bona fide job until the n- beginning of 94... No, 93. And that was, it was a musical, uh, an actor-musician show called Buddy's Song. Ooh. Okay.
0: Did you, over that period, what were you doing to kind of get by and
1: survive? The usual, working in bars, working in restaurants, working in, you know, kind of. I, it, it's kind of, it was quite a bleak time because I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't, I assumed that I would just work. I didn't think that I wouldn't work, so I thought it was okay for me to turn things down that I didn't really want to do. With hindsight, maybe it would have been a good idea to say yes to some of those things. I stopped saying yes to
0: everything. I, I, I think you that's... were fortunate enough that you came out of drama school into quite a good gig. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I suppose you you didn't have that period that a lot of people come out of drama school are like, yeah. oh, I can't get a job, and they are just. All my crush- f- a
1: lot of my friends were 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 like that very much. They were like really kind of. Um, you know grinding away at it for some of them is hard but there's like in my year michael sheen was in my year you know but then on the other hand so i wasn't the top dog by a long chalk because then you had all of a sudden michael sheen had gone off and he was playing henry v (laughs) And, and doing leads in big itv dramas and stuff like that so yeah and that and then that time became and then the money ran out and then i hadn't saved from a tax bill so the taxman came going hello you've earned all this money why why we pay us i'm like "Pay you <laughs> pay for what um i lived like what I'd, i i would the term like a normal jobbing actor really i did everything and anything did i did fringe plays i went up to did musicals and then i, I kind of got a couple of breaks i did a film and uh, I played leads in Greek tragedies and toured. Went to Japan for the first time. Went to toured in Greece. Did a Greek tragedy in Greece. Um, you know, there's loads and loads of. And uh, I guess that's where you where you
0: kind of hone your craft, isn't it? So you've done your drama school, and then that jobbing period when you're meeting lots of
1: people, getting lots of different viewpoints. That's yeah, kind of where and you. So to my surprise, walking out of drama school and going on the TV is not normal. Yeah, well. You know, it, it kind of, it could have been, I suppose. I mean, it's like, like I said, it was for um, the other guy. I mean, I, as I told you before, the other guy that was in families, Jude, Jude Law, he just went from strength to strength, you know, and it was quite, quite often um, we'd go up for the same parts, um, but he'd get them. <laughs> he's he's not a bad
0: looking guy, that Jude Law, is he? No, no,
1: no. <laughs> not and, that and, and another, no, and another really, really nice, you know, one of those guys that you kind of, Oscar-nominated actor now, but you know, could walk in the room and he go, "Hello," you think?
0: Yeah, there's an yeah, element yeah. of needing to be likable. You know, there are some yeah. very famous people that have got bad reputations. Oh, yeah,
1: God, absolutely. An anecdote? Would you like an anecdote? I'd love an anecdote. So, anyway, uh, this was leading somewhere else, but um so my costume was: uh, I had this kind of red silk shirt, sort of tucked in, and these stupidly skin spray-on shiny latex trousers. And then, you know, and I had like a biohazard tattoo on my chest. I had long hair and it was kind of, it was definitely a great time. It was was brilliant. But we're at the Chelsea Art Centre down on the King's Road. So there's no money involved. We're all doing it for for the love. And uh, my first entrance, I had to hide. The set was multi-layered, but I I had to kind of appear from under a table kind of, Uh, you know, like I'd just woken up. So I, 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 was, I was there, and I'm on this time, this one particular evening, and I'm thinking, it's very drafty. Very drafty. And I reach round, and the super tight latex trousers had split. Now, to keep the shape of the super tight latex trousers, I've only got a modesty patch over my things. There's nothing on my bum, so we can have a smooth bum on Gary. So basically, these latex trousers are pulling my cheeks apart. Love. They're that tight. And I can feel it around. I can feel, you know, when, like, something's really tight and the sort of fat just bulges around. <laughs> like, oh, God. Oh, no, that's that's my bum hole. That's, I, I'm out. And I'm, my cue's coming. I'm literally, I'm under a table. <laughs> I've got to come out <laughs> from the people. Tough. So quickly, come on, I'm, take my shirt off and tie my shirt round my waist I think alright I'll cover it and I'm, I'm, I'm active and it's like if that's it I just face the audience <laughs> Do you know I mean? with my back against the <laughs> it's the, it's the wall and literally I can feel it's like it's like and when I stood up as well they went even tighter so they pulled my cheeks apart even more so it was just like the weirdest performance I've ever done <laughs> it's just and I remember the director coming into the, um, the dressing room in the interval going what are you doing? That's rubbish. You know, I give you freedom, but you can't just do that. And then destroy. I was like, no. look at my bar. <laughs> I'm yeah, my I didn't trousers.
0: Yes. Uh, so after a bit of jobbing actor and, and I'm sure both of us have got anecdotes. We could go for, for days about yeah. stupid stories and things that you dine out on forever. But the, the big one, let's say if you were to type your name into Google, there's some magnificent yeah. photographs of Carlos Diaz from Emmerdale. See that or Captain Hook. Yeah. <laughs> How, how important was that role do you think in your career because that that seems to be what is i'm not a big soap guy so it seems to be what people would know gary turner for
1: but was it a big deal it was a huge deal funnily enough about the time i was doing the 12th night thing um i picked up uh i, I started uh, often i i go through this i kind of i stopped saying yes to things i uh, but around 98 i started saying yes to everything and i picked up a book called the artist's way i don't know if you've ever heard of this book we've not read it but i'm familiar but i so i did i i did that process and so sort of from 98 onwards i was saying yes to everything and i was you know i'm also i write as well and do scripts and uh, you know i've always always struggled with procrastination and blocks and not doing as much as i think i should do or not you know but anyway and that's that's that stage so then that led to so 98 99 going into 2000 was hugely prolific time i was jumping from job to job some paid okay some not paid some paid quite well i would do, i would finish one play on i'd be i like i'd finish a play in liverpool on the Saturday night and I'd start rehearsals on the Monday morning in Leicester. I it was just bang, 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 bang. And that went right the way to, and working at good theaters like Leicester Haymarket, Manchester Royal exchange. Um, all, like just working, loving it. And it was never about being famous. We didn't really, that wasn't, it was just work to do it. To, to I, I liked doing it. And then I was doing a Christmas show and I'd, funnily enough, gone back to Theatre Cluid where I'd all started. I was doing this Christmas show there, another actor-musician show, um, Dick Whittington. And the call came through. It was like, oh, they're looking for a wacky chef on Emmerdale. Do you want to audition for it? And I was like, I'm doing this show. I'm in Wales. I'm doing two sh- I'm doing 12 shows a week. When am I supposed to, you know, and they said, well, we'll, we'll see if we can arrange for you. So Okay, so I'm one day off, and it's like when you do Christmas shows, it's like, you know. And at that stage, an audition for a regular in a soap is kind of, they come and they go. It's kind of, the world and his mother is going up for this part. Did the first audition, and it went very well, and I got a nice feeling from it. I went back, and I went, hmm, okay, see how that goes. So I'm still doing the show at Theatre Cluid, and then about a week later, the call comes back and says, uh, they want to see you again, but this time in Leeds to, to do a screen test with um, Sam, who played Bernice, um, whom I didn't know at that time. I was like, oh, okay. Different colourfish fish this time. It was like, you know, get the scenes, bang it out, make sure that I was dressed right, that I was going to be there. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was just a case of, yeah, I'll turn up. It was like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to, I'm going to do my utmost to do that. I uh, walked through the door and i remember sitting in the waiting room with a couple of other spanish guys there <clears throat> and then went into the studio and did the screen test with sam and i clicked with sam straight away um went back to the the christmas show thought that was good Had nothing didn't didn't I, I was kind of the show finished i think it was about 4 weeks or well, so i I'd, I'd kind of written it off but i kind of hadn't couldn't write it off and i was kind of phoning my agent and going i have this what, what's going on and she, and she said they haven't said no gary they haven't said no you know I, I i if i speak to them they're not saying you know and i said but i and by this time i would got another job lined up it was to play uh, rochester in um jane Eyre. jane air jane Eyre. sense and sensibility that's the one yeah I was going to play which is a great part yeah and it was a you know it was a good theater and it was like i was kind of looking forward to doing that i was doing that and then the call came that is all down to saying yes it's to being open and to doing it it's the same mentality as that lad who wants to be in this youth theater and that youth theater and all the others i can't stress this enough if that kind of it's Not only being positive, not being falsely positive, just getting on with it, doing it. Even though I'd been a bit famous before, I was not ready for what Emmerdale was coming by. And I remember my first day, top bit of advice that I've ever had. It was the first day of filming in the studio. I'd done a bit on location and I had 14 scenes to film that day. And it was... You know, we were walking onto sets at... Well, you know what it is. You turn up at seven for, for makeup and then you start filming about eight in studio. And I remember I had all these pages and there was a guy in it, put his hand on my shoulder. It was we walking down the corridor to the studio. He went, mate, 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 stop it. I was like, what? He says, one page at a time. One page at a time. And that was some of the best advice I have because, you know, I, I'm going in to film a scene and I'm looking at a scene that's, that I'm not sure of five scenes away how can I do my best for that, you know? Um, I, I remember being in the green room. Everyone was lovely. It was a really lovely bit. It was a nice time. Um, but I remember being in the green room and saying, oh, I want to go. I've got some time off. Uh, I'm going to go into town. Well, I'd say time off, like I had a scene in the morning and then a scene in the afternoon. I'm going to go into Leeds, which is a great city. And um, I said, is, is there a bus stop there? And literally everybody in the green room, it was a big green room, went, what? It's like a bus stop to, to get a bus into town. Everyone went, mate, you, you can get the bus today, but in a couple of weeks, a couple of months' time, you ain't going to be getting a bus. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to be that guy. Just because I'm famous, I can still get a bus. Cut to, uh, I was, by that time, I was living with my girlfriend in Manchester and commuting from Manchester to Leeds. It started to go out. It was about six weeks before what you film goes out. Yeah. So I'd been in it a couple of months. So my stuff had started to go out. I'd started to be recognised in the street. And I used to get the train from Leeds to Manchester. And I remember getting this train, I was at rush hour. And I don't know if you've ever experienced those trains, but it's like anywhere. They get absolutely rammed. And you're doing it in the vestibule area. I'm literally up against the, the, the toilet, along with everybody else. Everybody there can recognise me. And you're you their property. Oh, all right, how are you doing? You know, what, what do you want? And I just, this kind of, I can't do this again. I can't do this. I, I You know, I, I don't want to, I just... I just want to listen to my stereo. I just want to be, be normal. I, I, don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do, do this. I don't want to be pushed up against people who because the thing is about soap fame is that you're their property. They love people who love soaps, love you. They, but you're in the corner of their kitchen, you're in the corner of their living room. They can stop you, they can rewind you. You're, you're kind of a like you, you know that's part of they, they know you. they don't, but they know you interesting thing like when i think i said to you before i think about 11 people 11 million people watched the wedding episode of it was like a christmas episode and so you know it's a lot of people because nobody recognizes you as you, the actor i was recognized and i can count it three times people said to me you're gary turner you're gary turner the actor of the telly of the thousands of other times it was carlos Carlos, and the world changed. The world, you know, my it's like I walked in today. I got myself a cup of coffee. Sometimes, you know, I'd like to sit on the pavement, not sit on the pavement, sit on the, you know, on a, at a table, have a cappuccino or whatever. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I mean, it was like I could, but it was a different activity from what I, what I did. It was like you were you, you were you were working. You were you were being nice to people, which is great, you know. And it's sort of like if you don't want to be famous. I don't go on the television i I'm, I'm i never didn't want it i was just it was like the learning curve that, that that came that came with it was exceptional and and it became like i say hallucinogenic i'd walk into somewhere and you take Carlos 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 and it wasn't that people talked about you that they stopped talking you could silence a room like you'd, you'd walk into like a, a crowded bar and it would silence the room for a second. And that makes you kind of like, oh, fuck. Here we go. And you, know, you get used to it and you, you live with it. And then, of course, you've got the whole nightlife.
0: But Such nothing Russian. nothing really prepares you for that. So my, my experience of mm-hmm. fame is far more limited than that. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Britain's Got Talent in 2007. Yeah, I got through to the live semi-finals. Yeah. Um, and it was like eight and a half or nine million people watched the episode. So there's a lot of people watching it. Yeah. And I know it's not the same as soap fame because there's not a character behind it, but I was the, the guy in our act that did the talking. So, and, uh, and the day after the show's gone out, we just got on the train and went home mm. and you not, nothing can prepare you for no. the fact that nine out of 10 people that you're walking past are like, Oh are you, Yeah. But, but when people tell say about, when you were saying about people feel like you, you belong to them or something. it was about two days after the show went out yeah. and, I went to the zoo. Didn't think anything of it because no one prepares you for this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm in the cafe at the zoo and I got, I say mobbed. It was a very uncomfortable Mm. time. There might have been 10 people came over to my table Mm. and they're around me and I was really, really uncomfortable just sitting there having lunch with my friend and they were like, because it was 2007 so it was like more can we have your autograph than can we have a selfie? But I'm like, what do you do? You don't yeah. want to go no fuck off. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time you're like I I I have nothing has prepared me for this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've signed a few autographs and felt like the biggest fraud in the world and yeah. and then wanted to go home. Oh, imposter syndrome, yeah. Um, Girl, yeah. But, but yeah, but I mean you would have had that ongoing because you're in the show for what, ninety episodes to begin with and then you've done some extras after
1: that or? Oh uh, over the space for about two and a half years I've filmed about three hundred episodes. Wow, Okay, that's yeah. yeah. Masses. <laughs> to like going out and this is another thing that i learned is that if you went to a bar where people were drinking funnily enough uh as it got on the girls would want to talk to you and the blokes would want to fight you um there would be you know you'd be there like if you and i were at the bar we'd have a conversation some guy would come over and Nine times out of ten, and I'm, you know, it, this sounds like I'm very ungrateful. It's not, would barge in and go, All right, you're Carlos. I'm going to buy, can I buy you a drink? And you go, No, I'm all right. I'm, I'm just talking to my mate and I've got a drink. Thanks. But nice to meet you, mate. Cheers. Thanks. All the best. Who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. You think you're better than me? No, 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 no. No, just no, no, no I'm just here having a drink. Well, I'm, well, you know, I'll buy a drink. So, you know, your evening can go one of two ways. You either leave, you either drink with the bloke, or you have a fight with the bloke you know, that situation turned up so many times. And the other, another one, and it's being honest, I I don't mean to be big headed, but it's because you're on the television, the girls want to sleep with you.
0: Yeah. And that one took me by surprise. Um, And there was a girl that, that I was briefly seeing Mm. and, and uh, she was quite a nice girl. Mm. She's very attractive, Mm. but, she wanted me to like, we'd only been on a date or two and she wanted me to come and meet her mum. And, and she introduced me to her mum as yeah, he's the one off the telly. I'm mm. like, Oh, uh, Oh yeah. yeah okay. Yep. Yeah, fine. Yeah. And, and it's, it does devalue anything like that. And, and it, you know, it's great that you can go out
1: and you can meet girls and you can take girls home. And, but that wasn't kind of, Oh, the young ones live on it. I mean, I know guys you do yeah. personal appearances as well, which is a great side owner. You know, if you can turn up to a club, They'll give you a grand for spending an hour in their club, signing some autographs at a desk and stuff. And the amount of yeah. sex that goes on is, is 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 incredible. But it's why, and it, another it was like part of the learning clever. It's why celebrities hang out together. Yeah, literally. You know, if you want to. I just want to go for a beer. You just, you go to a place where nobody cares
0: and I'm very fortunate that when Warhol talks about being famous for 15 minutes, Mm. I think a week after the show went out a week after the live shows, I I could go anywhere else in the country and no one would care. Yeah. And you keep that kind of local fame for a little bit longer in your hometown. It's like, you know, a year
1: later, people are like, Oh, you were really good. Yeah. yeah, You were the guy off the, And that's kind of nice and warm. Yeah. 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 See, I think, I think I've given it a bad rap because uh, I've talked a lot about the negative situation. It was a learning curve, you know, a lot of it was like you make people happy and kids and you know doing a lot of panto as well you know you come into contact mm-hmm. with kids and they i just remember kids mm-hmm. who want to be actors as well they kind of i want to be an actor have you got any advice for me And it's like yes act do lots of acting if you want to be an actor find D- it just do D- lots of acting wherever you can find it and you know you'll find your way um you know and there's there's that and there's all the you know going into hospices and and children's hospitals and stuff and you bring joy to people and that's what we do you know we are into i am under no illusion that you know i, I kind of like come come the day where you've got to decide to who's needed or not you know you're going to need a surgeon you ain't going to need me <laughs> do you know what I mean? um but you're
0: you're ability to do good is increased because you can bring joy to people's lives it gives you, it gives you access yes, to
1: yes yes I and mean, it's it's also a lovely thing and the weirdest thing of course at, at the height of it uh, when everyone knows your name and you know the, the money's coming in um, you can load stuff for free everybody wants to give you things you know I remember we were doing this promotion for um soap awards or something photo shoot or whatever and it, it was uh, with Mazda the, the, we were all sitting on a Mazda car and the guy was like, For Master for a couple of months. It's like, I've just got a new car, but you know, and it was just like you'd go to a restaurant and they go, No, don't pay. You'd be like, do that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but getting getting free stuff is good is always good for yeah, we yeah, was, yeah. And it's clients. you know, and lying, it's not all bad. I mean you get some weird you get some obsessive fans as well I, that's kind of i had a woman write to me and wanted me to marry her dog in her garden just you didn't Harry. i didn't know but she used to send me she sent me she used to send me filofaxes every year like good ones as well leather-bound filofax obviously showing my age um uh, from the dog and she ventured I mean eventually I, I did write back and I said I can't I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry thank you for the thought and she said well do you mind if I have the ceremony anyway and then you can marry the dog imagine there'd be like a little carpal I, cartel or something I, 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 I was like I thought and I remember talking because there's part of the publicity department there that there's a lot of weird mail a lot of weird stuff comes in and especially it's sort of like I nearly was physically beaten up by two Women in Tesco's because I was sleeping with the vicar's wife. He is a man of God, and it, it it started off okay. It was like, oh yeah, you know, he's a man of God, and you're 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 sleeping with his wife. And I was like, yeah, they write it down for me. It's <laughs> like, no, you should leave her alone. I was like, well, you're gonna have to watch. Stay tuned in. No, leave her alone. I'm like, it's not real. It's not real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like I literally I left my shopping in the aisle and walked out because I it was just like they wouldn't they wouldn't back off um
0: so i, I mean yeah it, it, it's another world it's incredible and i think with social media and that kind of thing now perhaps people get more of an insight into the lives of soap stars and things because they like, so this, the, 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 yeah. like this this didn't exist back then he, death
1: and, threats as well it's like especially with the because my character was big but it wasn't like marlon big you know it wasn't paddy and marlon and, and those are the, 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 the characters that have gone on for um you know years and years and years and if one is plotting to kill another or something like that the real death threats come in and it's, it's like and I, I, I and the- i remember that you know going up to the publicity department going what are do we doing this and they would have a line to the police and somebody that they spoke to if they thought something was serious and there was one guy who wrote to a cast member and had it was a detailed schedule a plan of how to kidnap and kill one of the actors who's playing a bad mm-hmm. character like he said he could get hold of the van and this is where they do it and they'd pick him up here and they'd pick you know, it was like, you know, and this is the kind of stuff we might just chuck that one to the yeah. to to the police. I but I remember being advised saying, Just say to the lady that it's not worth you marrying the dog unless you can be there in person because you know And where do you go from
0: there? So ML comes to an end and uh, Oh you Captain Hook and Panto that's brilliant. Yeah. But, but do you do you miss the the craziness that is being a British soap star or do you want something different do you want to
1: go back to the theatre what happens at the end of a, a run like that I when when I found out I was leaving I was I had a big out you know the world was my oyster really and I, what I did, when I do when I'm doing TV I always say I want to do theatre and when I'm doing theatre I always say I want to do TV yeah. um, so I was gagging to get back on the stage and I, I think I was I did I literally, I think I filmed my last episode in November. I went down to Windsor, I did Panto, and then I went straight into a play um, after that. And I did a couple of plays and then played Macbeth and uh, spent a year doing that. And then I turned uh, a couple of parts down. I didn't want to get back into, I think Doctors came and I said, well, I'm, I'm not sure of that. Um, and spent a couple of years really just going back to, 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 to jobbing. I was kind of. I found it again frustrating. Uh, it was. It was. I was being told like before I went into Emmerdale, they were saying, "Oh, they want a name." And then when I came out of Emmerdale, they don't want a name from a soap. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've always had my eye on. I don't mind what I do, but I've always wanted to. to like I say, I you know, I grew up watching Blade Runner, and it's like you know, I wanted to do do like work with Shane Meadows, I don't know if you know Shane Meadows, is or, you know, people like yeah. do all that kind of stuff, and that kind of because you do soap, that kind of goes out the window a little bit although I did end up working in Nottingham and at the Playhouse, so it was kind of quite well rounded, but not the big stuff that I wanted, didn't come really and that was a while ago, you
0: did jump back into Meadow briefly, didn't you, it was 2001? 2004, oh, 2004 okay 2004, 2004. yeah, literally 2004 <laughs> Eight so episodes. episodes. What keeps you busy now? What occupies your time? You're, well, you're a dad of two teenagers. Yeah, I, absolutely- st-
1: I still work. I mean, I still I played. You know, I'm. I, I do a lot of audio work as well. I um. I go. I tour a lot. Um, I, I you know, was in Japan recently with the bodyguard, I and mean, all over the all over the country. Um bits and pieces I was a casualty last year you know like again back to to jobbing really I'm I'm, I'm kind of one of those actors that doesn't quite go away <laughs> <laughs> lingers yeah yeah so I I do it but I was kind of thinking it's about time now that I've also it's been a funny couple of years uh it's hard to find that balance of I stop saying yes under the guise of being a dad because it's very safe to set to to not say yes to things, you know it's very safe to think. Well, I'm not going to do that. There's no money in it. Oh, I'm not going to do that because it's not really my bag. I've not done that before. You know, it's sort of like an in the but in the past. And I, I think I'm just coming out of that. Now the girls are getting to a certain age where I can spend more time away. That I'm starting to go. Okay, what can I do? What's what's what can I say yes to now? You know what what's Coming on a dance yeah. podcast. Coming a, <laughs> yeah, coming a, uh, and sitting in a, a pub cellar. So that brings us on to what, what
0: next? So you're, you're absolutely not past it. You're young and healthy and fit. Young so. healthy, yeah. <laughs> but, but what's next for Gary Turner? What what would you love to do
1: or what have you got that's in the pipeline already? i are making a Blade Runner TV series. So if you happen to watch this, I would like to be seen for uh, a part in that, please. I think it's filming over in Ireland in the summer um so but that that kind of thing uh a, a film or i'm i'd be happy to, I, mean, I, I don't know back out on tour more of the same i want to i've written some things uh i think it's time to sort of get those out um in the past i've done i was been employed to do one man show uh it was a one-man show called toro toro and i kind of got a taste for doing a one-man show so i might try and do that get that together um there's a lot of things that are going on but nothing that is as I, I can talk about with certainty
0: okay well, there's still some some years in the old dog yet
1: then oh god yeah and um and if people want to find well, out i'm not going to retire there won't be a, a day when i go oh i'm done something will come up, and i'll go oh yeah i'll do that you know it's kind of you know did you ever see a film called venus with peter o'toole oh yes yeah i'm familiar with <laughs> that Old, old, old man's by old pervy old man. You know the Lawrence of Arabia, a beautiful, beautiful man. But you know he gets to it. You don't going, stop. You don't... No, you don't stop. If you if you love it, you love it, and you're going to play the pervy old old geezer just before you die. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think well, not just the pervy old geezer. I mean, we we're looking at uh... and as in contrast to the, be- yeah. to, to the beautiful Peter at all. But, but you're yeah. looking at like Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen. Shakespeare. I'm still up for it. I'm still you know I'm. St- basically still that kid who wants to go to drama school i'm still that kid who wants to do everything anything just doing as much acting as you can yeah um, yeah and, and, and paying the bills though that's what you got to do now it's sort of oh.
0: and the bills get bigger when you've got kids don't they just <laughs> and girls girls are expensive and if people want to find out more
1: about gary turner do you have like uh stuff online websites i do have i do uh you can find me on social media gary turner on social media and instagram i think i'm gary j turner on insta i have a website gary hyphen turner.com which is all about me which works really well at the moment on a computer but not on a phone Uh, I've got uh, if you like Doctor Who I am in uh, quite a few Doctor Who adventures for B7 uh, Big Finish Media carries all over the internet well,
0: thank you so much for coming in. Cheers, like. It's a fantastic chat. I'm we're so looking forward to listening to this and editing it. There's a lot to edit. There's a lot to edit. Yeah, there is a lot yeah. to edit. But it's, it's fascinating. Like I'm sitting here riveted, and there's so much more to talk about. So there thank is. you yeah. so much for your time. I really appreciate it. We'll wrap up there. And um, I really appreciate it. Dude, awesome. Thanks. Oh.